Go to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, we'll pick up where we left off last week. Let's begin by reading verses 10 through 19. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice accept, acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Amen. Last week I intended to get through to verse 13. Had to cut it short. We only made it through verse 11. Our focus was our need to learn contentment from verses 10 and 11. And this thought of contentment now continues into verses 12 and 13. So this is going to be a part two tonight from last week. Remember that this church in Philippi, they were a giving church. They supported the Apostle Paul financially. Somewhere along the line, though, the support dried up. We're not really told the reason why, except that they lacked opportunity. And whatever the reason was, maybe they couldn't keep up with where he was at, couldn't get the support there in time. Perhaps a need came up on their end. All kind of things we could speculate about. But their support for him started again. He says it flourished again. And, of course, he rejoiced greatly to receive that support as you can imagine, but he made sure that they understood that while I'm blessed of God that you would support me, I don't need this money in order to be content in this life. And we took note of how the Apostle Paul had learned contentment, which means contentment is not something that comes naturally to our flesh. It is a learned behavior. And contentment is a result of learning to die to ourself. Remember 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 8, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. Hebrews 13, 5, we also quoted, let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And so contentment can never be achieved apart from the Lord. We need the Lord to help us. We need to trust him. We need to understand, and to have this contentment, we need to understand that the Lord is never going to leave us. He's never going to forsake us. And that him being our portion in this life is really all that we need in this life. So we have to walk with God, we have to die to self, and we have to be agreeable to whatever lot the Lord has placed us in 
in this life. When there's contentment, there'll be an absence of covetousness. And you'll consider yourself to be blessed with whatever you have. (laughs) And when contentment is accompanied with godliness, we know it is great gain. And so in short from last week, contentment is when you entirely resign yourself over to the will of God. So have you learned to be content? If not, keep learning. Because I believe the days are coming when we're going to need to know how to be content. What happened in Ukraine can happen here. And how quickly it can change. Which we'll talk about tonight. Notice verse 12, it says, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. So Paul here, he's saying, I know how to live when I'm up. I know how to live when I'm down. I can handle whatever state the Lord puts me in. He knew how to live when he was abased, which means he knew how to live when he had next to nothing in this life being cast into very low and humiliating circumstances. And he knew how to live when he abounded, when he had excess. And he had more than just needs met, but he could go on and enjoy some wants and desires in this life. And he says, everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And so in other words, he understood how to conduct his life no matter his circumstances. When he was full and he had ample supply and he could enjoy that excess, he was still able to live soberly with temperance And he was grateful for God's bountiful mercies, which he enjoyed during the good times. When he was hungry and he suffered need, he had learned not to murmur or complain. Not to be envious or covetous of the prosperity of others, but to be thankful for what he did have. There's an interesting word here in this verse, in the Greek. It's only used once in this verse in all of our New Testament. And it's the word for instructed. And this word instructed, it means to be initiated into a secret or mystery. This is a secret teaching that only some will get. For sure, the world will not learn contentment. And sadly, a lot of believers won't learn contentment. We have to be initiated into this fraternity, if you will. We have to learn it. And only those who learn the lessons from the school of adversity get to graduate on to contentment. And Paul had learned to faithfully embrace every situation he was in. He considered all that higher learning. And he had been initiated by not only abounding, but also by suffering need. And for Paul it began with a thorn in his side. And he asked for it to be removed on three occasions, but it was necessary for his humility. 2 Corinthians 12, 7-10, he wrote, And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelation, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. 
And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. So I would tell you, first of all, in learning contentment, don't despise the thorns in your life. God places them there in our flesh to humble us. God doesn't want us exalted above measure. He resisteth the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. He brings us low for His glory. And then, along with the thorns in life, we learn contentment through what we go through. The circumstances, the hardships, the good times, the bad times. It all is teaching us contentment. I want to read you a few passages here. Bear with me. 2 Corinthians 11, verses 23 through 30. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck, a night and a day have I been in the deep. Journeyings often in perils of waters, in perils of robbers. In perils by mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen. In perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea. In perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst. In fastings often, in cold and nakedness, besides those things that are without that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Who is weak? I am not weak. Who is offended? And I burn not. If I must needs glory, I will glory of the things which concern mine infirmities. And so Paul, he went through it, amen? Uh, boy, we, we think it's bad sometimes when the AC goes out. 1 Corinthians 4, 9-13 through 13, For I think that God has set forth us, the apostles, last, as it were appointed to death. For we are made a spectacle unto the world, and to angels, and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but ye are wise in Christ. We are weak, but ye are strong. Ye are honorable, but we are despised. Even unto this present hour we both hunger and thirst, and are naked, and are buffeted, and have no certain dwelling place. And labor, working with our own hands, being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we suffer it. Being defamed, we entreat. We are made as the filth of the world and are the offscuring of all things unto this day. One last one, please. 2 Corinthians 6, verses 3 through 10. Giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed, but in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God in much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in watchings, in fastings, by pureness, by knowledge, by longsuffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold we live, it's chastened and not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich. And listen to what he says at the end of this. He says, as having nothing and yet possessing all things. He understood all that he went through. I mean, he, he had a, a handle on that. 
And it taught him contentment in this life. He never got bitter towards God. At least from what's recorded. He had some downtimes. I think we can make that case. But he was not bitter towards the Lord. But he learned contentment. And so he could say, I have nothing and yet I possess all things. <laughs> Everywhere and in all things, he said, he was instructed. He was initiated into a life of contentment. So many people just don't want to go through it. They don't want to go through that initiation process. Yet it is necessary for us to learn this contentment in life. And I want you to understand all that I just read you in those three passages, he was in the will of God. And it's easy sometimes to look at what we go through and we think, well, this must not be God's will. It could just be God is teaching you some things. Maybe He's trying to teach you contentment. For Him to live a life as a servant of Christ and as a minister of the gospel was to constantly be between abounding and suffering need. He would have plenty and then all of a sudden He would suffer need. And I think it's important we understand that because it's easy for us to grow accustomed to a certain way of life. And I can say that from military experience. I, know every, I knew every two weeks what I was getting paid, how much and how often. And, and you just get right into the zone. And it's easy when we're accustomed to something to, to be content. But you see, your contentment is tested when circumstances in life change drastically. And they change fast. And for Paul, it would happen fast. And as we see right now over there in Ukraine, it can happen fast. And he would go from having plenty to being stoned, to being left for dead, to being imprisoned, to all those things we read. And so God, He tries His children not by giving us a steady diet right there in the middle. But God tries our contentment by having us go into these highs of excess and to these lows of suffering need. And as we're changing between these two states, that's where the test lies on if you're really content. Will you still be content and love God when things take a downturn? Maybe you get laid off. Whatever the situation, are you still going to love God then? Will you be content when you abound? Or will you always be wanting more and more? And worse yet, when you abound, will you forget God? And who better to teach us contentment than our Lord? He knows what it means to abound. And He knows what it means to suffer need. He left the glories of heaven. He had it all. And He humbled Himself. Philippians chapter 2, verses 7-9. through 9, Speaking of Christ, "...but made Himself of no reputation, and took upon Him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, He humbled Himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God hath also highly exalted Him." Given him a name which is above every name. You talk about extremes. 
Our Lord went from having everything to having nothing, and yet He was always content knowing that it was better to be in the will of God for His life. And so we are told to take His yoke upon us, to learn of Him. He's meek and lowly in heart. And we will find rest for our souls in Him. And only in Christ will you find real contentment. I began to wonder, which is easier? Living in contentment when you're abounding or when you're abased? And I think it may depend on a person's starting point. And I, I just came to this conclusion, there's no answer to my question. I don't, there's no standard answer. Because it all depends on the individual. Depends on their mindset. However, I find it interesting how some people have to be informed that they're poor. It happens to children a lot. They don't know that they're poor, but yet there comes a point when they start going to school and all of a sudden they're not dressing as fancy as the other kids. And they start to get made fun of and they're despised. And then all of a sudden they, something becomes alive in their life that they never were awakened to. And they start to realize... They don't have as much as somebody else. Now that I'm an adult raising my own family, I can look back in, in my life and I can see that there were times where there were some lean times there. My parents never said that. But I can look back now and understand that. And it was because my parents, I believe, were teaching us contentment. It doesn't matter what state we're in. We're still blessed by God. We can still count our blessings. We can still live a life that is blessed and happy and joyful and peaceful. It really comes down to our attitude. And as parents, we set that attitude in our home. But as I said before, your level of contentment is really put to the test when you go from one state to the next. And it doesn't matter what state you're in. I can look back growing up and realize we were always happy. I mean, it, it, when, when things change, listen, it's really, are you just right with God? In my experience, when you're down in the valley, I think it comes easier to live a life of contentment because it's when we're down in the valley that we're focused on God more clearly. And some of the other niceties in life get crowded out. And we get focused on what's really important. Listen, you get a call that your wife has cancer, all of a sudden some other things don't seem so important. It, it clarifies our vision. If the bomb sirens were to go off tonight and they were telling us to get to the bomb shelters, all of a sudden that vehicle wouldn't be that important. And so a lot of it's just how we, we go forward in things in our own mind. And down in the valley you're focused on God and that's probably why our Lord puts us there. Because had we had everything, we probably would have lost focus. And so when some people get on the mountaintop and they do abound and they do have excess, they can forget about the God who walked with them through the valley. And then they have things going so well, they lose their focus on, on God. In Deuteronomy chapter 32, verses 13 through 18, this is speaking of God to Israel. He made him ride on the high places of the earth that he might eat the increase of the fields. And he made him to suck honey out of the rock and oil out of the flinty rock, butter of kine and milk of sheep and with fat of lambs and rams 
of the breed of Bashan and goats with the fat of kidneys of wheat. And thou didst drink pure blood of the grape, but Jeshuron, or Israel, waxed fat and kicked. Thou art waxen fat, that art grown thick, thou art covered with fatness. Then he forsook God which made him, and lightly esteemed the rock of his salvation. They provoked him to jealousy with strange gods, with abominations. Provoked they him to anger. They sacrificed unto devils, not to God. To gods whom they knew not. To new gods that came newly up, whom your fathers feared not. Of the rock that begat thee, thou art unmindful, and hast forgotten the God that formed thee. And so when Israel was abased, God met all their needs. They had no choice but to look to Him and to realize that He's the one that raised them up on eagles' wings, carried them out of the land of Egypt and established them in the land. But once they, once they were prosperous, this nation that had grown to have plenty, now all of a sudden had forgotten the rock that followed them in the wilderness. They were unmindful of God. America today fits Israel's past. When we were a young nation, we knew that we needed God. And God was honored as the reason for our existence. But now that we've grown into a prosperous nation, we are now unmindful of the rock that begat us and we are no longer remembering the God that formed us. And this way of thinking has penetrated church houses and those who claim to be the people of God. We just aren't a content people today. We have become very ungrateful in all of our abundance. To bring it from a national level down to a personal level, we have closets full of nothing to wear. Because we're not content. It wasn't that long ago in America that you had one set of Sunday clothes. We have a pantry full of nothing to eat. We have a driveway with cars, but always wanting something else. We go to the grocery store and just expect the shelves to be stocked. Never giving thought to the God that sends the sun and the rain. We have larger houses today with smaller families. And yet we manage to fill them with stuff. (laughs) Let me put that in perspective for you because I got curious. In the 1950s, the size of the typical new home increased to 950 square feet. By the 60s, 1,100 square feet was typical. By the 70s, it was 1,350 square feet on average. By the 2000s, the average new house size settled in at about 2,300 square feet. And today, the average new build is 2,600 square feet. Not to mention all the garage space. Listen, I'm not saying you can't enjoy what the Lord has blessed you with, okay? I'm just, <laughs> I'm just highlighting how we have more, and yet we're forsaking God more collectively as a people. Now, some people will only try to find contentment when things are going well. When I reach this level of prosperity, I'll finally have everything, and I'll be content. Well, it usually doesn't work that way. Because it's often not enough. I got three garages and I would love to have five. You know what I'm saying? Some people are so discontent 
because they don't have a lot of excess or all the latest toys. But can I remind you that the poor in America are considered rich in the rest of the world? That's a fact. One study concluded the poorest 20% of Americans are richer than many of the world's affluent nations, consuming more goods and services than the national averages for all people in Europe. We're not talking about Zimbabwe. (laughs) Now what the Word of God is trying to teach us here tonight is that contentment is not based upon our temporal, material possessions. It's not about when things are going well or when things are going bad. Paul says it doesn't matter if I'm hungry, it doesn't matter if I'm full, it doesn't matter if I'm abounding or suffering need. I know how to be content no matter the circumstances in my life. His contentment wasn't based upon the temporal externals, but it was in knowing Christ. And with that, let me read you Hebrews 13, 5 again. Let your conversation be without covetousness or your life. And be content with such things as you have. For He has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Maybe this is just for me tonight because I look at her, I'm always like, man, are you ready to move to the hills? Are you ready to move to the middle of nowhere? Amen. I think our neighborhood has doubled in houses since we lived out there and it's making me itch. Amen. Be content. And so Paul here, he's saying, look, it's not on the, it's not on the externals. You can be content no matter what. And it is in this context. This is what I want you to get. It is in this context that I've been trying to lay out for you tonight that he gives us the most famous verse for a lot of people, and that's Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. I know that's a fancy fridge verse, and I know that's a mirror verse, and I know that's a dashboard verse or whatever, you know. But listen, don't think that doing all things through Christ's strength means if you really put your mind to it, you can do anything you want. That's not what this is saying. Paul is saying, I can live with contentment in all circumstances in life because Christ is my strength. In chapter 1, Christ was Paul's life. In chapter 2, Christ was Paul's mind. In chapter 3, Christ was Paul's goal. And here in chapter 4, Christ is Paul's strength. And the meaning is that I can be content in this life no matter my location, my situation, or my vocation, no matter what my spouse is like, no matter how my children are whether the cupboards are full or bare, no matter what state you're in, therewith be content. Christ is all we need. No matter our lot in life. I think our choir sings something to this effect. When Christ is all you have, you learn Christ is all you need. Once you begin to learn that truth, then you're on your way to Christian contentment. And when you learn it, the things of this world begin to fade out of you and they no longer allure you like they used to do. So have you learned the secret to contentment? You have to be initiated. you got to go through it. The only way to get it. Everywhere and in all things is Christ all you need. Let's pray.